Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good morning, everybody. Good more, good evening, everybody, depending on where you're at. If you're in the UK, in some places, it's already evening. If you're in Australia, it's already tomorrow and you're probably asleep. <laughs> anyway, we're here, California Haunts Radio. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> tell you it's morning for me, for the next hour or so, and I've got a great guest today, really great guest. I am also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. However... We have forty. We are forty-five strong, and I have and there's people that work for well, work with me, up and down the state, almost in almost every county. So what that means is that if you have a paranormal need or you think you have a paranormal need, we can get to you right away because we're close, right? Even if we're two, three counties away, we can, we can still get to you. We don't charge anything to investigate. It's all there to educate and help people. That's what we do. That's what we've done for the last twenty years, and that's what we're going to continue to do. So uh, hook us, you know, hook up with me if you have a paranormal need. Check us out at CaliforniaHaunts.org or check us out at the radio site at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com or you can find me on Facebook. I'm public. I'm public. <laughs> My profile is public. And uh, I have several California Haunts pages, you know, just kept just playing California Haunts. And then I've got a California Haunts Ghostly Events page. So if you need any help, hit me up and we'll get you going. Because we're very thorough with what we do, okay? One of the best teams out there. Anyway, I want to welcome you all. And it's gorgeous. I hope the day stays like this. <sighs> no air conditioning in the back. It feels good. Anyway, um, <clears throat> Mr. Louise Hamlin, her experiences are go deep to my heart. You know, even though I grew up in an active house and seeing stuff, I still wasn't a total believer. And then when I went through high school and went to college. I, that all got pushed aside, you know, where I didn't believe in any of that stuff. And then my last year in college is where I started to become, started to believe again, because for some reason I, I, I California haunts <clears throat> was a TV show before it became a paranormal group. So I was filming another paranormal, a paranormal team following them around. Like they, it, was, it was about the time that ghost, <clears throat> that ghost hunters came out. And, um, so we were doing this on public access. <clears throat> I don't know why I'm like this today. Excuse me. We were doing this on public access. And I still wasn't quite a believer. But then things started happening around me. Right? You know? We had things like flashlights turning on in my car for no reason. Stuff like that. Just stuff. And then in my house, gradually, when I would go home, I would have activity. You know? Like the front door would lock and I couldn't get it unlocked. Even though I had the key. Things like things go missing. Things get moving around. And all this other stuff, and as it turns out, I brought one of the psychics from the team, and it was it, it, it was an uncle that had passed that liked to tease me. So I gradually, you know, because being a journalist too, you got to stay neutral and more logical. And so I gradually came back to where I believed and got to believe in this stuff because I've seen enough. Like 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 our guest today, I've seen enough to <clears throat> to change my opinion about it. So I, yeah, so I do believe, you know, I honestly believe, even though I go out on cases to help people <clears throat> and I debunk, good Lord, and I debunk stuff, I still am a believer. I mean, I've seen enough here, even after my mother passed away, especially after my mother passed away. You know, she's still here. She's still doing stuff. I, I can smell her. I, I can tell when she's in the room. My dad, too. I've had signs from him. Even my dogs. But it, but I had to kind of change my thinking to where I was a believer. I think, I think really, if you're seeing stuff <clears throat> like that, you know, it takes you sometimes, you know, if you're not, if you're not a believer. Anyway, that's what we're going to talk to Louise about because this happened to her. And I'm going to let her tell you her story because she's written a book about it. And I think you're going to, you're going to be very fascinated by what she has to say. All right. Let me bring her on. Charlotte, and thank Good you for morning. having me. Hi. Good evening to you. Good morning to me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm in the UK. You and my relatives. <laughs> right. Okay. So tell me about you. Um, well, 
I was a law lecturer at Cambridge University. I lectured in land law and in revenue law. So I was very logical and precise and academic. Um, I then met my second husband. Um, he also was a lawyer. Um, we moved down to the south coast of England and we had an idyllic life together. We had a very, very happy marriage. Um, and then suddenly, three years ago, he was diagnosed with bile duct cancer and within three months he was dead. Sorry. Now, when when we knew that he was dying, we we talked about you know whether or not there was life after death, mm-hmm. and neither of us thought it was likely. We didn't totally discount it, but we thought it was improbable. We thought that the most likely thing was that you died, and that was the end of it. Mm-hmm. And so he said, actually, he wasn't scared of death because it would probably be nothing. And, you know, that's nothing to be scared of. Um, so he died. I assumed that that was the end of Patrick. And I was devastated, totally devastated. About five days after he died, a friend contacted me. And she is a healer and she's psychic. And she'd been very fond of Patrick as well as me. And she said, oh, Louise, you know, I hope you don't mind me telling you this, but I'll tell you what's happened. This morning when I woke up, I was thinking about Patrick and I asked him for a sign to say that he was okay. And I asked to see a flame sometime today, not in a fireplace, because that would be too easy, but of a flame. And she said, and then I went shopping and I rather forgot all about it. And then this evening I went to close the curtains and there was this tall flame from the next door garden. I couldn't see what was causing it because the fence was in the way. Mm -hmm. But anyway, she ran and got her camera and she took a photograph of it which she sent to me and she said you know it didn't last for very long and it was tall and thin and quite unusual and then it just went and she said I don't believe in coincidences I'm convinced that that was Patrick saying yeah I'm okay well the problem was I did believe in coincidences Mm -hmm. and so you know, I thought, well, it'd be lovely if it were Patrick, but, you know, a coincidence. Mm-hmm. And in fact, this same friend, she came to his funeral and she then told me that when she was driving home from the funeral, she spoke to Patrick again and she said, hey, Patrick, um, send me a message if if you're okay and around um i would like to hear i want you to want me by cheap trick on the radio i'd never heard of this but Mm -hmm. apparently it was a, a hit in the 80s an american american band um so she didn't hear anything on the drive home but the very next morning She went to the railway station. She was going to collect her parents who were coming to stay. And she was standing on the platform waiting for their train to come in. And on the tannoy, they started to play, I Want You to Want Me by Cheap Trick. Wow. So she told me that as well. And, you know, I thought, well, wow. But, uh, you know, (laughs) who knows? Who knows? And so it carried on. And other friends started to contact me and say that they'd been thinking of Patrick and this had happened and that had happened. Lights had come on and off inexplicably and feathers and things. And to be frank, I began to think, well, hang on. Why isn't he sort of sending me signs? 
looking back on it now, I think it was probably that I was so deeply immersed in my grief mm -hmm. that, that I wasn't open to anything. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I started to go and see some mediums. And I mean, this is a classic case of cognitive dissonance, because on the one hand, I didn't really believe. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, I was worried in case, you know, he wasn't OK and I wanted contact. And so I, I tried mediums. And um, uh, <clears throat> the first medium just didn't seem to be on any sort of wavelength that I could recognize. But then the second medium slightly blew my mind. Um, so I found her on the internet. I phoned her up. I said, hello, um, my name is Louise. My husband died two months ago in February, and I'd really like to make contact with him. And that was all she knew about me. She didn't know anything else about me at all. So she said on the phone, OK, um, that might be a bit early if he only passed two months ago. Hmm. And then she said, oh, he died in the middle of February, didn't he? So I said, well, yes. And then she said, oh, he died on the 16th of February. And I said, well, no, he lost consciousness on the 16th. He actually died on the 18th. And she said, no, no, he's telling me that he died on the 16th. That's what I'm writing down. <laughs> and, you know, I was a bit taken aback by this. Um, and I thought, well, actually, you know, he probably felt that to me he had died on the 16th mm -hmm. because he'd been in a coma for the last 48 hours. And so, yeah, we'd last spoken to each other on the 16th and then he had gone so anyway that that I thought was pretty amazing and then when I saw her she said other things which you know I thought were extraordinary mm -hmm. um, for example she said oh, she described him you know amazingly well she said Okay, he's holding a cornflower. He's showing me a cornflower. What's special about a cornflower? And I said, oh, well, actually, yeah, cornflowers were special for us because when we got married, he wore a cornflower in his buttonhole. So that was our sort of wedding flower. And, and I thought, golly, you know, of all the flowers in the world, mm -hmm. she homed in on a cornflower. And then she said, Hmm. He's wearing slippers, and he's he's pointing to them and he's laughing. What's all that about? And I thought, oh yeah, I know what that's about. So after he died, you know, he was wearing his pajamas when he died, mm -hmm. and the un the undertakers took his body away, and then they asked me for some clothes for his body for the coffin. And I thought about it. And he was happiest when he was outdoors, doing you know, outdoor country things. So I sent his outdoor clothes for him to wear. But then I looked at his boots and I thought, they're going to be quite heavy in the coffin. I'm going to send his slippers. They'll be nice and comfy for him. <laughs> So he must have looked a bit weird in the coffin because he was wearing his outdoor clothes and his slippers. <laughs> and there he was laughing at the slippers. Um, so there were lots of other things, you know, that she said. And so I began to sort of wonder whether maybe, maybe there was life after death. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought I'll ask for a sign. And... Somebody said to me, well, you're getting the train tomorrow. Why don't you ask for a feather on the train? So I thought, OK. So I asked for a feather on the train. And the next day I got the train and it was very crowded. 
but there were two empty seats that I could see up at the top of the carriage. So I went up and sat down there. Oh, and I looked down and there was a feather on the seat next to me. That's incredible. Well, yes, Charlotte, incredible, but also, of course, you know, I still wasn't convinced. Right. I mean, poor man, he had a hard job convincing me. Um, but then the WhatsApps started. Do you know what WhatsApp is? is it a, <clears throat> it's just like a chat thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, it, it's used a lot in the UK. I think perhaps it's less common in the States. Right. But in, but in the UK, everybody's on WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Anyway, one day I, and this was, I think, in June, about four or five months after he died, I had left my phone in the kitchen while I'd gone out and the house was empty and locked up and the radio was turned off. There was no sound at all. And I came back and I found lots and lots and lots and lots of words in a message box all ready to send to Maria, mm. who was a medium, another medium that I had seen and who had had quite a lot of extraordinary signs from Patrick. Um, and most of it was gibberish. I mean, there were words, but it didn't really make sense. And I nearly deleted it all. And then I thought, hmm, it's really odd. Mm-hmm that the phone has opened up into the app, into the chat box for Maria. I thought, that's weird. I don't know how that kind of happened. So I thought, I'll send it to her and ask her what she thinks. I did. She replied, no idea. No idea at all. The next day, she contacted me to say, Louise, I have found this on my phone, on my WhatsApp, ready to send to you. It wasn't so long. There was still a bit of gibberish, Mm -hmm. but there was also more that you could understand. And three times in the words, it said, darling, it's me. Well, I thought, golly. And this carried on, and some more came. And I was, I was sort of 99% sure that Maria wasn't making this up. But of course, there's always that 1% of you know, being skeptical and wondering. And Maria seemed a lovely, down-to-earth woman, but who knew? So I still wasn't totally convinced. Then one day in August, I was out walking my dog. I got home. I pulled the phone out of my pocket. And the phone said that I had created on my phone two new WhatsApp groups. One called Hamlin's, one called Hamlin Family. One consisting of Patrick and me, one consisting of Patrick, his daughter, and me. Wow. And I stared at this phone, and I just couldn't believe it. And I knew that the phone had just been in my pocket. Mm -hmm. I knew, you know, it couldn't have happened by accident. And it actually was the day of his daughter's birthday. And I thought, it must be Patrick. And he's sort of sending his daughter a birthday present by saying to her, hey, I'm around as well. And my son, a lawyer, you know, sceptical, he spent ages trying to work out if there was any rational explanation. (laughs) And he couldn't find one. And in the end, he said, yeah, mum. It must have been Patrick, because there's no other way that could have happened. 
And it was then that I thought, oh, my goodness me, our spirits really do survive death. And it was mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. And I just thought, wow, well, this is wonderful and amazing. And, you know, it has it completely changed my whole belief system, my whole worldview. And, yeah. So our spirits are in our physical bodies for a while, but then they carry on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's brilliant. It is brilliant. brilliant. See, I had something similar happen to me, but it was, I had <clears throat> excuse me, gosh, it's really dusty out here. The weather's bad <clears throat> as far as dust. Um, when I, before I, I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure and my phone, I had one of those apps on there for a paranormal that just, I don't use them. I just have them on for fun that you have to physically press the thing to activate it, you know, to, to make it work. And I received a message from my father on just through this app. And so like you, I was amazed because you know, that, that's a lot of physicality having to press the buttons on the phone to even get into that app. Yeah. And I mean, of course the irony is that it's quite mm-hmm. complicated creating a WhatsApp group. Unless, you know, you've done it a few times and know how to do it. Right. right. And and Patrick wouldn't have known how to do it in <laughs> when he was alive. <laughs> but he'd somehow worked out what he could do that really persuaded me that yeah, yeah, he's around. That is really cool. Really cool. As, as really. Given you in, in the other side, you know, science. Oh yeah, I've had lots more. Um, another one which I think is extraordinary, and and what the WhatsApps continued, okay. and there were and there were more WhatsApp groups as well. Um, one day I was playing bridge with three friends. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't know if you know how to play bridge or not. I do, but right. So you need two packs of cards. Right. We had a red pack and a blue pack. And what you do is the first hand, you use one pack of cards. The second hand, you use the other. And then you go back to the first. You alternate. So we were playing um, in my dining room. And we played the first round with the red cards. No problem. Had a good good game. Um, then we played the second round with the blue cards and then it was the third round and Jane, my friend, was dealing the red cards. Elk. And she was one short. So not a big deal. She'd obviously missed Elk. One of us had one too many cards. But no, we counted our cards. No, we were a card short. Okay, somehow a card had fallen from the card table. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we looked on our laps, we looked on the floor. No card. So then, you know, we became a bit more serious about looking for it because this was ridiculous. We knew we'd had the card for the first hand. We searched for that card. We could not find it anywhere. Then one of my friends said, well, let's work out what the card is. And she said, I bet it's a heart. I bet it's Patrick and it's a heart. So we looked. And yes, it was a heart. It was the nine of hearts. So they said, is that special? Is that special? Does that mean anything to you? And I said, well, no. You know, if you'd been the queen of hearts, I'd have taken that or the ace of hearts. But the nine didn't mean a thing. It seemed very random. Anyway, a little later, I was talking to a friend and telling her about this because the card had disappeared from the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. And I said it was the Nine of Hearts. And this friend does tarot. And she said, oh, well, the Nine of Cups. 
in tarot, which is like the nine of hearts. Mm -hmm. That's the best card for love that there is. It means really, really deep love. That's a lovely card. So I thought, oh, okay. And of course, what's strange is Patrick wouldn't have known about tarot when he mm -hmm. was, you know, in this life. Anyway, there is a sort of a postscript to this story because a, well over a year later, um, we were cleaning in the dining room yet again and we had absolutely searched that dining room and we had cleaned it very deeply several times since the disappearing card. And there was the card face up under the ottoman. It had not been there before. Um, so it came back. Wow. Well over a year later. I believe it. Wow. That's incredible. Now going, I mean, was it confusing for you at first when you started like, seeing these things happening? I don't think it was confusing, Charlotte. I tell you what, it was very consoling. Mm-hmm. I think when you've lost somebody that you really deeply love, you're desperate to know that they're okay. And really, you know, you're desperate to carry on having some contact with them. And so once I accepted that these signs really were from Patrick, I found it immensely consoling. And I was just thrilled to think that his spirit was still in existence and mm. his spirit was still loving me so absolutely. yeah absolutely. huge consolation absolutely now when you talk about the psychic telling you that she felt it was too soon for him to contact i've heard that before you know i've, I've heard those before where sometimes they, they have like a transitional time to take before they they, they start coming back if they have the ability to come back or maybe you're not ready, you know, because sometimes, the, um, and I know from talking to different clients and stuff that I've had, that, you know, if, if you're still, if you're despondent over something, they don't come. They'll wait till yeah. you your mind. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. And mm -hmm. actually, if you read in books about bereavement, it tends to say, you know, if you're, if, um, if you want to contact a medium, you should wait and you shouldn't do it for a few months. I don't really know why they give that advice. Because as soon as I had spoken to that uh, medium who sort of said those things, which made me think, yeah, Patrick is there, I just felt a whole lot better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I still, I think, you know, like I said, I've heard from different mediums and stuff. It's like a transitional period. So they're still trying to adjust to, to their new life you know, in the afterlife. And yeah. that's why I think they, that's why I think the mediums like to hold off and tell her just because they're still carrying. I mean, if there's any emotional baggage, I would think they were still carrying it for a time. Yeah. I mean, I didn't begin to understand any of it. Yeah. 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 Your story is absolutely fascinating. Um, and I mean, I try and understand this and I've read lots of books and I've sort of started going into quantum mechanics and quantum physics to try and make sense of it. I can't begin to understand it. All I know is what happened to me. And it was extraordinary. I mean, another thing was he moved things mm -hmm. uh, as well as making things disappear. So one night, I it was about two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. And I was alone in the house. I was awake, though it was all dark. And um, I was thinking about Patrick, of course. And suddenly there was an almighty crash just outside my bedroom. Mm -hmm. I was terrified and thought, what on earth is that? And so I, I lay there, you know, rigid with fear. There weren't any other si sounds or anything. But in the end, I was very brave and I carefully crept. I got out of bed and I crept to 
the half landing outside bedroom mm -hmm. uh, where the noise had come from. And there was a book on the floor and it had flown off from the top shelf of the bookshelf on that half landing. And it had flown off with great velocity because it had landed with an almighty crash mm -hmm. on the floor. And I picked it up. Um, the book was started early, took my dog by Kate Atkinson. So you know, it didn't really mean anything to me. But in bending over to pick it up, I saw the binoculars, which had been tucked into a bottom shelf that I'd been searching for all day. <laughs> because Patrick and I were interested in birds. And I'd wanted to look at the birds. I'd wanted the binoculars mm -hmm. um, and hadn't been able to find them. And so I thought, my goodness, thank you, Patrick. You did that so I'd find the binoculars. Thank you. That's really cool. That is so cool. What did your family think when you started it? Or did you tell them right away that you thought you were getting science? Um, I... I was a bit cautious mm -hmm. and um, my, I've got one son who is sort of very open to it mm -hmm. and, and totally believes. Um, my daughter has become convinced and so actually has my lawyer son, though, you know, to start with, he, mm -hmm. he was, he was, thinking, well, you know, no. um, <laughs> coincidence, wishful thinking. Right. But then, and actually, it was the WhatsApp groups which persuaded him. I was actually staying at his house when it happened. And, yeah, he realised then, gosh, mum, yeah, you're right. Well, so, yeah, and, and I mean, in my book, I'm not trying to persuade people to believe right. something that they don't believe because I'm not going to manage to do that. Right. I mean, if you think that death ends everything, then you're not going to be persuaded by my saying, well, no, this happened to me and so it didn't. But what I'm hoping my book will do is validate the experience mm -hmm. that a lot of bereaved people have had, but haven't really wanted to talk about mm -hmm. or been scared to talk about. And I've found that talking to people who are bereaved, if I sort of say very casually after a bit, um, have, have you um, had any signs? Well over half of them will say, yeah. And then they'll say, but I haven't really told anybody about it because I didn't want to appear crazy. And then they've told me about their signs, you know, and there are an amazing number of extraordinary signs out there. And so I hope that my book will sort of reinforce for people the truth that, yeah, the people who have passed can communicate with us. So has he done anything with the chat rooms at all? Or did he just make the chat rooms? Has he done any more communication that way? Um, yeah. The last one, I mean, he hasn't for about a year now. Mm -hmm. um, and the last ones came after I'd written my book and sent it off to be published. But, um, and in the last one, he sort of mentioned Cyprus, which is where I'd been mm -hmm. um, on holiday. And again, it was a, it's me, darling. And... He also said, I can hear, darling, and then please hear me. Nice. Which, you know, sent, sent shivers up the back of my neck, really. Mm -hmm. So I do talk to him because he can hear. I hear you, yeah. He it's, a can hear. Story. it's a wonderful story. And you're right. It happens, you know, people don't realize how much it those things you know how often those things happen because i know with my mother when she passed she passed here at the house 
and I knew she didn't want to be dirty going to the coroner's office, so I, I bathed her in a scented soap. And when she comes, I can tell it's her. Yeah. Smell that soap. It's wonderful, and you're right. It's very, it's very comforting to know that they're still there. Yes, so, yeah. it, it is. Even though we can't physically, well, sometimes some people can see them, but if you can't even can't physically see them, you you know they're there. They'll grab your well, hand, I, something like that, you know. I've had a I've had a scent. I've I've smelt his aftershave, mm -hmm. and um, oh, and and have lots of other strange things have happened. What what's funny is two completely different people, and in fact they were they were healers rather than mediums, mm -hmm. but they were both a bit psychic as well, and they both said to me, um. Oh. Well, the first one said to me, oh, did your husband like art? And I said, yeah, he did, actually. I said, in fact, his hobby was dealing in art. And he was really, really good at buying paintings. He wasn't quite so good at selling them. Right. <laughs> so, so we did have a lot of paintings. And this guy said, well, he's telling me he's hanging out with Picasso. Well, that's very random. <laughs> Great. Bye. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I had a little book and I was writing down everything that was happening because, it, you know, it was all so... Uh, right. Um, so I wrote it down but forgot about it because, you know, I didn't really think that it was likely. And then a few weeks later, a couple of months maybe, I saw somebody else and they said, oh, your husband's here. And he's really happy because he's hanging out with Picasso. Uh, so I thought, well, that, that is amazing. And nobody else has ever been name checked. You know, mm -hmm. no other person has yes. ever had. Yeah. Yeah. So it also gives you hope that, that when we pass, that we can do this stuff. We we can hang out with who we want to hang out with. You know what I mean? For people you yeah. never go go visit, you know, go visit the chit chat. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I another. Right, well, I know. Right after my dad passed, it was only within an hour. Because my dad always wanted to go to China. Okay. He wanted to see the Yangtze Kuang River, right? So I remember my mother and I went to get grab some food about an hour after he passed. My friend, who's a medium. Called me, you know, and I said, Well, he passed. Well, she says, Yeah, he's in China. He's oh, how bed. extraordinary. He just woke up, he just, he just got up out of bed, you know, you know, from the hospital just instantly and took off because he realized he could go where he wanted. Yeah, that is extraordinary, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's absolutely, it's absolutely incredible. Are I you? Mean, I had a, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I had another strange experience with a medium. Um, and she said, Oh, I've got a woman here and, she, and she's very keen to sort of talk to you and um oh it's your mother-in-law she's <clears throat> she's dark and um well she's quite a forceful woman with a strong personality and you know she, <clears throat> she she's got yeah she's got a very strong personality um and i said no 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 my mother-in-law was blonde and was very gentle. And anyway, the medium kept on insisting mm -hmm. and she kept on describing this woman in more and more detail. And I kept on saying, no, that's so not my mother-in-law. Absolutely not. And um, you know, the medium said, up. I don't think it's your mother. And I said, no, it doesn't sound like my mother either. And then, and the medium eventually said, well, we'll have to park it then. I said, yeah. And I said, and then suddenly I said, oh, hang on. I said, it, it sounds exactly like my second mother-in-law. And I had never met her because she died before I met um, Patrick, my second husband. Mm-hmm. And it just hadn't occurred to me that somebody whom you hadn't met in this life 
could still come and want to communicate with you. So absolutely it hadn't occurred to me. And again, what's really impressive is that the medium, you know, even though I kept on saying, no, 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 she kept on persisting. She's saying, no, I'm sure it's your mother-in-law. And of course she was right. Right, right. Yeah. Did you find that, you know, when you started realizing what was going on, you know, via the mediums, did you find yourself having more and more experiences because you were more open to it? I did. No. I'm not sure about that. I did a lot of meditation. Okay. And and the books all said, you know, that if you wanted to get signs and things, Uh you needed to be open and you needed to raise your vibrations. And the way to do that was meditation. Uh And actually, I found that meditation really helped me in my grief. It really sort of calmed me down. And I used to get to the top of the garden where they've got a, a summer house. And I'd sit there surrounded by nature. Mm-hmm. And I would just sit very quietly and meditate. Um, and that really, really helped me. Whether it raised my vibrations, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um whether it made me more open, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, usually, you know, that's what happens. Because the minute, the minute you start seeing or, or experiencing stuff, something opens up. Because you know, we're all born. Well, they, that's what they said. They tell me anyway. We're all born with these abilities. And right. it's just over the years, as we get older, we get busy. You know, we become attorneys. We, you know, we we do yeah. our thing, and and somehow the the door closes, but all it takes is, is a turning point to open that door again. Yeah, I mean, certainly I've read quite you a know? lot about and, me. Uh, re- that's, that's what happens. It's just right there. Yeah. Um, certainly I've read quite a lot about reincarnation. Yeah. And what's fascinating there is it does seem that as the children who sort of talk about their previous lives grow older, then they forget about it. Mhm, mhm, mhm. Well, I've heard a lot of cases of, about people who have visitors, and they don't even like you say they don't recognize who it is, and it turns out to be a relative from like three generations away. Just come, you know, to check on them. Hey. It's, it's really cool. Oh, right, that I didn't know about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody else, um, not a medium, but again, somebody who's quite psychic and mm-hmm. a, a friend she was around once and she said oh um a woman has come here into the kitchen with you and i said that's nice you know and she said yes yes and you know and she's sort of sending you lots of love and everything um, and I said, I wonder who it was. And this friend said, I don't know, but you know, I saw her very clearly. Mm-hmm. So I went and got a photograph of my mother and showed this photograph to my friend. And my friend said, no, that wasn't her. And in fact, I'd really loved my granny when I was a, a little girl. And I went and got a photograph of my granny. And my friend said, yeah, that's her. Wow. How cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. It makes you not afraid to die. I mean, everybody has a fear of death. And the more you see, like like in your case, the more you see stuff, like the more I see stuff, the more I'm not afraid because I'm still going to be here in, in, some, in some form. Absolutely. I feel completely the same. And it's very liberating, actually, not to be scared of death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And I know that I will be able to sort of watch my children and my grandchildren and my friends, even though I'm not here in a physical body. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and it makes you sort of think I that if you've made mistakes in this life, you're going to have lots of opportunity to sort of remedy them and put them right in the future. And that's quite concerning as well. 
absolutely absolutely now when you were writing the book did you feel him helping you with the book at all yeah yeah you know charlotte nobody else has asked me that question <laughs> um and and you're absolutely spot on because i i i just thought actually you know, i'm going to write about all of this because i'd like the world to know and i just sat down and wrote it it was dead easy I sort of wrote a thousand words a day. Um, I was doing it in lockdown, and I just sat down, wrote about something. Next day, something else, and you know, within a month, I'd got a book. Um, and I sent it to a publisher, um, and the publisher immediately said yes, we'd like to publish this. And I thought, golly, Patrick's helping here. Because it was all so easy, right, right. And you were keeping, like you said, you you were keeping journals of stuff too, so that must have helped. Yeah, yeah. I I wrote everything down, mm -hmm. and you know, even even before I was convinced, I wrote everything down, um, just because perhaps who knew. And actually, it was also, you know quite lovely to write about things that connected to Patrick. Right, right. And, you know, hearing this story coming from someone like you with, with your background, it adds a lot of credibility. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I think that, um, you know, a lot of my academic friends think, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think if you're very materialist, you can't get your head round the the thought that there's anything else but as i say i'm not i'm not wanting to convert people or anything like that right. i just want to tell people about my experience mm -hmm. and they can do with that what they want absolutely well you know it's it, it, it's a situation where the skeptics or, or you know, even the people that don't believe in that i'm not saying you know people are bad or anything but I think it's a case that if you haven't experienced it, you have no you have no idea. I think that's right. Um, but I have been amazed how many people have contacted me, mm -hmm. and I've got a website, louisehamlin.com, and people have sort of written into it, talking about their experiences. And so many people out there have had signs. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. And what I think is really interesting is the way that spirits now seem to be able to use the new technology. Yes. Yes, absolutely. The other thought I had, too, was I think there was a big rise in, in, in this sort of thing because of COVID because everybody was stuck at home. And so yeah. everybody was able to take notice more of what was going on around them. Yeah, that could well be the case. And in fact, I, I sort of wrote my book during lockdown. Sure. You sure. Know? And, and so I was able just to sit down every morning and just and just write. Mm -hmm. So you said it's been, what, over a year since he's last contacted you? It's been over a year since I've last had a WhatsApp from him. Okay. Um, okay, I, I still sometimes have feathers in impossible places, mm -hmm. or I sometimes have lights which go on and off, you know, sometimes I'll be thinking about him and the light will suddenly turn itself on or or flash. Um, so I'm, I'm very confident that he is still around. And I often feel him actually in the car when I'm driving. And he didn't really like being driven by me. Um, <laughs> and he... <laughs> Um, in England, we tend we tend to have cars manual rather than automatic. Right. Um, so you you know you have stick shifts, I think you call them, don't you? Yes. Um, and you know, and he would often, if I was driving, say, "Oh, you're in the wrong gear. You're in the wrong gear." <laughs> um, so anyway, sometimes when I'm driving. I have a really strong sensation 
that he's sort of taken over the driving and <laughs> taken taken over the steering wheel and the stick shift. <laughs> That's it's, funny. It's, yeah. That's hilarious. Still yeah. still the husband wanted to take control of the car. It's still there, man. Ex exactly. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Your story your story rings true for so many people. You know, like you say, you've you've had so many people contact you with similar experiences and stuff. Do you think the book's going to make... Well, obviously you're making a difference with this book, whether you realize it or not, because people are going to want to hear this stuff and read this stuff because it gives them hope. Darling, I would love to make a difference with this book. I don't know whether I will or not. I mm -hmm. would love to. I would really love to because it's it's all it's given me a lot of hope mm -hmm. it it really has and i sort of in a way i've written it for patrick because i feel that he had to work so hard to persuade me that yeah i'm here i'm around and i mean there are lot lot more um examples of what happened and other things in the book Mm -hmm. And I just feel, well, he's worked so hard, so I want that to be acknowledged, you know? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Can yes, you, do you understand what I'm trying to yeah, say? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I just find it, like you say, I find it interesting because of the fact that even to get into something like WhatsApp and set up a room, there's so many steps to go through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, Absolutely. And I mean, he, according to WhatsApp, he set up these two groups at 11.06 a.m., both of them at 11.06. Well, you know, I then afterwards was trying to work out how to set up a group and, and it was very time consuming. And I mean, maybe a, a very, very agile and nimble 12-year-old Mm -hmm. would have been able to set up two groups within the space of a minute, but only an exceptional 12-year-old. You know, <laughs> no normal mortal would have been able to do two groups within one minute. No, no, not even close. There's so many, ver you know, the verification thing with the email you got to have, you, know, you got to fill up all the background information. Yeah, It's a pain in the butt to, to even set up a basic one. Well, anyway, it was, it was amazing. It really was. That's yeah, that that is incredible. And then another time, um, and this is a bit different, but I think quite interesting. Okay. Um, and again, showing his manipulation of modern technology. Um, I got a notification that a, a group had been set up on Maria's phone, mm -hmm. so I contacted Maria. And I said, said, you know, have you set up this group? And I sort of knew that she wouldn't have done, but, and, and she said, no, no. Um, and she said, actually, it's a right pain because I haven't been able to use the computer properly at all today. Um, my Safari is playing up. And whenever I try and go into Safari, it just opens up on this random charity page and I have no idea, you know, how to stop this. It's really, really annoying. Now, Maria didn't know, but I had actually set up a sort of charitable enterprise in memory of Patrick. And to start with, I'd been going to set up a separate charity, um, an anti-bullying charity. And then I realized that actually you know, I didn't have enough money to keep a separate charity going. Mm -hmm. And so I did quite a lot of research and I found a charity called Bullies Out, which I really liked. And so I entered into um, an arrangement with them. Mm -hmm. And okay, and we set up a project which is in Patrick's name. And you know, I was funding the project. Um, it's a big project. It's a project which is going to last five years, and people go into schools and talk to 
children and teachers about bullying and how to stand up to it and you know all of that so very worthwhile and um but maria didn't know anything about this of so no reason why she could have done or should have done it it had been a very sort of you know private thing between me and this charity so i just said oh and i thought hmm i wonder i said can you send me a screenshot of this page that keeps on coming up and she said yeah oh it's so annoying and she sent a screenshot and it was a page from the bullies out website <laughs> that, that charity's website and i just thought yeah this is patrick saying i know what you've done and well done and i'm very pleased that's how I interpreted it, anyway. That is awesome. So, what do you say to people who have lost some, who've lost a loved one? What's your message to them? Um, I think that grief is horrendous. I found that the only way to manage it, my grief, was to just live in the present mm -hmm. and just take one morning at a time, one afternoon at a time. Um. And I found meditation helpful. I found being in nature helpful. And I personally found going to mediums helpful when I found some good ones. I saw five or six. One or two weren't very good. Three or four were great. Um, and maybe you won't get signs. I don't understand why some people get signs and other people don't. Mm -hmm. I absolutely don't understand it. I don't understand any of it. But if you do start finding feathers in strange places or apparent coincidences, don't discount it. Don't mm -hmm. discount it because it could well be your loved one trying to say, I'm still around and I love you. That's awesome. Very awesome. Now let's um I'm gonna throw something out there real quick before we end. I, I, I do this frequently. <laughs> you're on the strip in Las Vegas. You're standing outside and, and you have your books and you want and you want people to read your book. How do you convince them and say there's a few other people with with similar books? How do you convince people to read your book? Oh golly, I've no idea. <laughs> I've absolutely no idea at all. All I can say is I wrote it from the heart. And it's absolutely true. Um, and I have no, I have no ulterior motive. All I wanted to do was to put out there the absolute true account of how I coped with my bereavement and what happened to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it's a book that. When I was bereaved, I looked for books about bereavement. And there were lots of books written by people from the outside in who were describing, you know, the stages of bereavement and this and that. Mm. And I wanted to read about people who'd actually been through it to see if, you know, that they did in the end begin to enjoy life again. And so to that extent, I've written the book that I wanted to read but couldn't find. Mm -hmm. which is a book which shows that I was in the depth of misery and despair. And I've now got to a place where I'm happy to be alive again. I'm looking forward to the rest of my life. And I still have my grief within me, and it's become part of me, but it's not stopping me from enjoying my life. Absolutely. You seem like a great lady. Um just hearing your story and hearing your background makes, like I said, makes makes it even more impressive. Because Thank you, you. Didn't jump in and go, "Oh my God, it's him!" You really had to be convinced that it was him, and, and that's what makes it so cool. Yeah, you know, absolutely. A lot of people jump right in, and, and you know, every little noise they hear, you know, oh, it's got to be him. It's got it's got to be him or her, you know. So um, yeah, he did have his work cut out for him. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly did. Luckily, he was a very determined man. He's a very strong man. <laughs> So how so, so 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 what's coming up for you in your life? Um, well, actually, Charlotte, I have 
discovered that I like writing. Okay. Which, which you know, I hadn't known before. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I might carry on writing, though, a novel this time or mm-hmm. maybe a, a, a memoir of my childhood, which, you know, was a long time ago and the world has changed a lot. And I don't know what else is going to happen in the future. Um, mm. My future is a, it's a bit of an open book, but I'm ready now for adventure and challenge and whatever. So I'll see what comes. Well, I agree. I think after so many passes, it may take a few, it may take a year, it take like two or three years to finally get you know feel like you're back on keel. You know. Yeah. The, the, it's taken. It, yeah, it's taken me two or three years. Yeah. To get to and, that. and now I'm ready to sort of go out into the world again. Yeah, because I mean, everywhere you go, it's kind of like, you know, it's, I always to my friends, it's like a divorce when somebody, your husband or somebody close to you dies, because you're used to going to all the same places with them. And so when you do go out, the memories are all there. So it makes it yeah. really hard to go out and be functional. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you. This was a fantastic hour. I appreciate you coming on. And well, your, book, you. your book is fabulous. Thank it's you very much for people that have lost people, and, and people should read this. Thank you very much. Well, the book's called WhatsApps from Heaven, mm-hmm. um, and it's being published in the States on Monday. Okay, great. Hey, timing is everything, huh? Yeah. Perfect timing. See, guys, you got to pick this thing up on Monday. Pick this thing up. Mm-hmm. So, how do people reach you again? Well, my website is louisehamlin.com. And Hamlin is spelt H-A-M-L-I-N. Okay. And let me ask you, where do you live in the UK? I live in Dorset. Okay. Which is, yeah. Which is, do you know the UK? I do. I have family in the UK. Oh, right. Okay. So, been there a couple of times. Right, right. Well, I'm I'm on the south coast. It's southwest. The south. Yeah, so. yeah. Because I used to I used to have family in Croydon. I don't know if they're there anymore, but they're they're, they're spread all over the UK now. But okay, they they were like headquarters, you know, in, in Croydon for a while there. So, right, right. I love I love it. I love London. I love the UK. I think the UK is really cool. I well, love I... history. That's why I love because well, our history doesn't go back as far as your history goes. So that's why I like to go to the UK because it's just so steeped in history. Well, I lived in Iowa for a year when I was a teenager. I was an AFS student and I loved it. I had a fabulous time. So so the USA is very dear to me. Thank you. Well, UK is dear to me too because I I just, every time I go, because I'm a a photographer, I'm, I'm a history nut. I just love going and looking at stuff like uh, like Henry VIII's castles, you know, and things like that. I just I just eat that stuff yeah. up. I love it. I love all that stuff. Thank you so much, Louise, and I'd love to get you on again at a later time and talk more about your future projects. Thank you, Charlotte, and I very much enjoyed talking to you. All right, ma'am, you have a good. Uh, ugh, sorry, it's evening for you. You have a good evening, okay? Okay. Right. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. All right, that was fantastic, and. Uh, See, you can't be afraid. You can't be afraid to die. And you can't, be, you know, when your loved ones go, I, I know it's hard because they're not there anymore physically to talk to you. But chances are they are talking to you. They are communicating with you. They just can't do it on the same plane that, that you're on right now. So that's what makes all the difference in the world. And yeah, like she says, sometimes it takes longer than it does at other times. Sometimes they contact people. Sometimes they don't. But it's a very comforting feeling when they do. So her book... I'm going to tease it at the end of the show so you guys know where to get it and stuff since it's coming out here in the U.S. on Monday. Perfect timing for all this. Um, yeah. So, all right. So, here we go. Tomorrow, uh, Nancy Matt's and Medium Nancy Nats Friday, Casual Fridays, we're going to be talking about spiritual attachments tomorrow. So, Nancy and I are going to get a nice conversation about that. You know, how how something can attach to you when you're out ghost hunting or maybe you're you're staying at an old hotel or you're on vacation somewhere and something jumps in your car and you don't realize it and suddenly weird things are happening at your house. We're going to be talking about that and how to take care of that. Okay. So uh, that'll be tomorrow and we'll be back on at 6.30 p.m. Pacific, the usual time. And uh, 
yeah, if you if you're watching from Facebook, please follow. If you're watching from TikTok, please follow. And if you're watching from YouTube, there's a little ghost in the bottom right hand corner with a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes hat on. Please click on him because that's our mascot, and that'll get that'll create a subscription for you because we've got more than 280 videos over there, different topics. I'm a journalist. I don't like to do paranormal all the time. I do other topics as well. So uh, I'm sure there's something that you would like, or as, as, as I like to say, something for everybody. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Also, you uh, I forgot to put my ticker on. Let me put my ticker on. I got all excited and forgot my ticker. Look at that. Happens to the best of us. You see that ticker at the bottom of the page? That's because California Haunts takes no money to do investigations. It's all out of my pocket. And just like running this show is out of my pocket. Mics break down. I have to pay internet fees. Just like everybody else, I got bills. Things break. Got to replace it. You know, the things like that. So if you could find it in your heart to help me out so I can keep the show going, I would really appreciate it. That would be at paypal.me at California Haunts. Or if you don't like PayPal, Venmo, and then type in California Haunts. You can do it that way. It's just because, you know, I'm retired and this is what I do. I love doing this stuff. I love bringing these shows to you guys. And I, I want to keep going. And it's not only, you know, the money not only goes towards the shows, it goes towards the team itself. It goes towards travel expenses, equipment that, that we have, you know, all that all that blinky, shiny equipment it, it ain't cheap, right? So uh, if you could help me out a little bit, that would be great. Anyway, I'm going to close the show out. And thank you very much. And I will see you tomorrow at the usual time. So here we go. And we'll have her information on here. Website, Louise Hamlin. .co.uk and the book is What's Apps from Heaven and as luck would have it it will be released Monday it's going to be published Monday here in the US so you can of course go to Amazon and grab that book or any I think any major retailer as well Okay, guys, I will see you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day or evening, depending where you're at. See ya.